T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Uh, where's the elevator? Oh, yeah. Thank you. And then over here's the elevator. Thank you. Hi. Hi. So adorable. Oh, look at you. How did you not gain weight during the pandemic? I, you were the same size as when I last saw you, and it's giving me jealousy. Ah. <laughs> Welcome to It's Okay to Say Gay. I'm your host, Fami Redwood, and of course, Andy Egan Thorpe is also here. Hello, hello, hello. So this episode is one that means a lot to me. Backstory. In our first episode, the one about the future of Pride, I interviewed the pop singer Mila Jam. She's a black trans woman and is super talented. In fact, the music you were just listening to is one of her songs. But I ended up not using her interview in that episode. Andy, you know Mila, right? I do. I had the pleasure of interviewing her like a decade ago. She's fabulous. She is amazing. So the conversation was supposed to focus on Pride organizations working to become more inclusive. But our conversation got so deep everything from the challenges of dating while trans to how it feels to be celebrated by the LGBTQ community after being bullied by the community for so long because we cannot pretend that some cis queer people are not also transphobic. So after that amazing conversation, I said, Mila, girl, you are preaching. So we have to make this its own episode. I'm so excited to hear what you two have to say. So let's jump in. I just have my regimen and my discipline. I think that's what it is. I'm also getting ready to go on tour. Like I've been, you know, the pandemic, when we were in it, I was just cycling. Like I was girl city biking the whole city. Really? Yeah, because that was like at the height of the pandemic. I just bike everywhere. And so then, I, yeah, that's kind of become a part of my routine. Mm. So yeah. Oh my, oh God, you make me feel feel like I'm feeling as an adult. You are just <laughs> like, I'm like, well, I watched Game of Thrones eight different times, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right, serious. <clears throat> I'm a serious journalist today. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because of a couple of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, a lot of the LGBTQ community is now looking at 
trans issues. For some folks, they did not realize these issues existed. This is something you've been talking about for years. In addition to that, we also have to celebrate life. We also have to enjoy life. And somehow you are able to do these things. You right now just give like essence and joyful and like how the world is burning. And so before we go into all of those questions, let's first start out with who you are, how you got here. Were you like singing Janet Jackson when you were like <laughs> five years old? How did we get to Mila Jam today? That is a book. Uh, that, is, <laughs> that is a series of books that we'll have to like work on sometime, someday. <laughs> um, Mila Jam. Yes, that is me. I am Mila Jam, the only one. And I am a pop recording artivist, I like to say. Uh, I mix my activism and my art together to bring awareness to what it means to be a Black woman, to be a Black trans woman, to be a pop culture lover, and to be someone who's in music, dance, performance, art, theater. I really feel like the work I do artistically is rooted in empowerment. It's rooted in joy and it's rooted in celebration. And I, I really feel like anyone listening to my music can feel good. But I can also tell a story and I can also talk about tough experiences and, and hard things that I've gone through. Honestly, it's a perpetual grind, but it ties into, I think, my blackness and my need to feel like we always have to do extra work to get just ahead, like one step ahead or half a step ahead. And then I add the layer of transness and all these intersections coming together really tells my brain that like, girl, you just don't have time to waste. You walk in so many different marginalized areas, lanes. You are black, you are a woman, you're a trans woman, all of these things. So thinking back uh, last week, I was at my parents in South Carolina and I know you're from Georgia. And there was this little, like this little black girl and like so cute, she's an artist. I bought a whole bunch of her artwork because mm -hmm. I wanna give her inspiration. And so when I see you, I think about the fact that like, you could have been that same little girl. And like fast forward today, you are living in New York City in mm -hmm. an amazing neighborhood, amazing apartment, all of these things that like, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I knew it was possible, but it was still, it almost felt out of reach. Mm -hmm. So that said, how does it feel knowing that you've got all of these identities where the world tells us mm -hmm. this isn't attainable for you? In our blackness and in my experience as a black person, we give ourselves so much more permission than other people do. And I think it's really being self-motivated and being aware of there is no handout necessarily in set and put in place for us. So whatever I'm gonna gain, like we were taught we have to work for it. We were taught we have to go out and try to get it and do something about it. And then I see counterparts or colleagues that may come from different backgrounds and they were never given that pep talk and they just kind of thought, well, it's always been afforded to me and that's just what I expect, which like sort of funnels into privilege and white supremacy. And those people actually have been told you have anything you want you can be with the real belief that it can happen. But I was just talking about the glass ceiling and there's such a glass ceiling for, I think, people of color where we really don't know if that is actually gonna be attainable for us. Mm -hmm. But I think our faith and our hope and our ability to, to believe really carries us through. And so I think that's really what it was for me. And, and it's not even necessarily about a religion. It's just about the spirituality of I know I have purpose. A couple of answers ago, you said that you see yourself as 
and artivist. Explain why it was important for you to bring activism into your art and not make that something you do outside of art. I want to be an, an artist that was known for being honest and I'm inspired by other artists that had such a level of transparency and honesty that was, you couldn't, you know, miss it. Uh, specifically Nina Simone, you know, she was legit who she was and she did not back down for anyone about her beliefs and about her feelings about her art and about her power with her art. That was her tool and that was her weapon and that was her magic power, you know, and I feel like that's my power to not only connect with people, but to separate myself from people and to show my differences. And using the word artivist also, you know, it's a little bit of a black thing too, because I'm like, we always gotta be doing the most. We always gotta be doing something different. And I was just like, you know, you know, you could be an artist or you could be an activist. We're like, what about being an artivist? You know, it's in the creation. Again, this year, a lot of prides, they're the different variations of their themes, basically along the lines of amplifying marginalized voices, black folks, trans folks, disabled folks. Have you always felt represented in the various prides through the years? You know, uh, I don't think I've always seen the representation. I think the way that I would want to, or that even the trans community would want to, but I, I've always felt included because I include myself. So those are two separate things, you know, seeing people come in and, and give access or give you opportunity or say, we're going to put you front and center, or we're going to like, you know, have you be the conversation is one thing that I think the community has missed out on for so long because our LGBTQIA plus movement coming out of the sixties is like, or coming into the, you know, in the seventies, it's like, it has it started out one way and then emerged into being like a gay liberation. And then it slowly kind of became a gay lesbian liberation. And then it's like, well, the trans the non-binary was still kind of not really acknowledged, just thrown in there somewhere. And it really wasn't until maybe Black Lives Matter that we we're like, well, how do we center the trans? Where is the trans conversation? So now that people are aware of it, it is a conversation piece. Are we fully there yet? No. And is there stuff to do? Yes. I just look at it as like, things don't happen overnight. I wish they could and I wish they did, but the work that's being done and that needs to be done can't just be from trans folks. We need other people centering us. I wanna put it in a different point. And I, I think of this a lot. When you have not been centered for a long time or when people overlook you often, when you do have those moments of being exalted or, or, or given a pedestal or whatever, it's interesting because it feels different. It is not always the feeling you imagine because you're in a different seat. And so we have to adjust to that, I think as well. I think we're starting to do that in, in the trans community, but like, what does it look like for us to be celebrated, for us to be appreciated, for us to be accepted, for us to be a part of families and circles, which we've always been a part of, but we've always had this role in the back, right. you know? So like, it is a different feeling to be in the front. Imagine being bullied your whole life and then those bullies celebrating you. It's like taking the people that look at you and that would want to attack you, and that's the narrative that has always existed, and then that narrative gets lifted and it's changed and people are like, oh, well, no, we don't need to be bashing you and fighting you. We need to be giving you space and we need to be looking at you for 
you know, advice and inspiration. And now you are the people that we want to hear from. That for me is across the board. That's in business. That's in art. That's in relationships. Like what that looks like to be actually be accepted by people you might be romantic with because for so long you just abused by them. It's like you get used to that, Mm. you know? Wow. In my head, I was thinking I would never trust anyone. I wouldn't trust you people. Like you people as in me. Like I wouldn't trust these people. And yeah. a lot of times we have that. That's Let's be real. Let's be completely honest. A lot of times we have that. We have that as black people towards white people. So imagine trans people having that towards cis people. Have that, you know, towards people in our own community. We're still dealing with the nuances of our subculture, subculturalism in the alphabet spectrum. There's a lot of cis gay men that just don't still get black trans women. And then we can become accessories, which is really convenient for people. And that makes everything okay, it's seemingly okay, but like, uh, have we really done any work there? And what does it really look to support us from a deeper place? We'll be right back after a quick commercial break. As America celebrates Juneteenth, join me, Femi Redwood, the host of the Beyond Black History Month podcast, as we continue our special series to how one man's love helped build a strong black community after freedom. He was just a man that truly believed in family. To how the spirit of Juneteenth connected many in the diaspora. You can find Beyond Black History Month on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take some time to let you go for good. Welcome back to It's Okay to Say Gay. That was another one of Mila's songs. Let's go right back to our conversation. Yeah, I'm literally blown. I just never thought about that fact of what it would feel like to now be celebrated by people that treated you horribly. It feels like it feels shady. Can we be real? Like it feels like what the best way you can, I think, sort of grasp a little bit of what I'm saying is we're going to use what we have in common. We're two black people and our blackness is something that we deal with when we walk into a room and when anyone sees us, that is the first thing that people can see. And so like I had a conversation with someone the other night about they was just like, well, they gave the all matters kind of, you know, all people matters speech to me. And like, I don't see color speech to me. And I go, I love that utopia. That's something that we look forward to in the future or trying to get to, but we're still not there. And the reality is that when we walk into a room, people see that first. When you see white people or people uh, that are not of our experience, the way that they treat you we are always leery of where that comes from. So if someone who's white rolls up on you and they're like, you my girl, we cute, we cool, we could do whatever, we can kick it. If they're not really speaking your language, you're gonna be like, I don't know, do I trust this person? Do I not trust this person? No, 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 no. It's the same feeling. It's the same feeling being like, we're in cisgender spaces all the time and we have to, do, have to deal with how people will see you and your transness. And I remember a time where even just being on that spectrum of queerness, going like identifying gay at one point in my life, and then knowing that I was a woman and people would only see, uh, see you know, like a boy or whatever. I used to just think that like, there would never come a day where people would actually like be celebratory, you know? 
And then even when there's a celebration for people being gay, like that came in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was like, okay, so you could be gay and maybe that's okay. But I just, I legit was just like, I'm just me. Whatever that is, I'm just gonna make peace with that and then just navigate how I can get through all, cut through all the path. <laughs> so then, and I know we're now completely going off topic because I'm now just so completely interested in this. As you're speaking, I'm then saying to myself, well, this explains, again, probably a very stupid realization that I'm having at this point <laughs> in my life. Nothing is stupid. <laughs> but as you're saying this, I'm thinking, oh, so this is why all of my trans friends always say this about dating, that about dating. This is why it's that not, because in my head I'm thinking, well, if someone knows that you're trans from the jump, why would it be a problem? Like, no, just like, I mean, truth be told, we're gonna be completely real here. I have a white wife. Mm -hmm. Of course she knows I'm black, obviously. Yeah. Of course she loves and accepts me and da 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 da. But there's still times where I have to say, mm, is she saying that because I'm black? And it's in this moment that I'm realizing it's probably the same way. I'm I can't speak for you, but I'm assuming it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's extremely similar. It really is. I was even thinking about this the other day. I was like, okay, so I'm rooted in my transness and my blackness in a way that is unapologetic. For me, it's all about safety. So how can I be safest? Am I safer by not saying that I'm trans? Am I safer by whatever, not going into spaces where they don't like black people? However, it happens. But there's a thing where when we're dating, it is not enough to just say I'm trans because, and, and that's me doing my part, right? Saying like, you know, I'm trans. Did you, did you see that on my, my profile? Or did you hear me tell you that? We don't know how that person has been taught or how they actually did the work to mm -hmm. understand what that means right. for them. So that is the whole other layer that we don't even get to where just telling someone, especially men looking to date women and femme folk, they're just looking for what they're looking for. They don't want to think about what that means. And the threat for them is, well, what does it mean? And then it's like, oh, well, I'm interested in you and I'm attracted to you. I like you and I like what I see in front of me. But what does that mean? Oh, now they're threatened. And so they're going to put more harm on you because you've threatened them without even intending to and you're hoping they had some education onto it because then that's where the sex conversation comes in because we all get turned on by whatever we get turned on it's up to you to decide how you feel about that and some of these men out here don't know how they feel about it they know what they want they know what they like but they haven't sat down with themselves and they're going to use their privilege and their power to go to either be violent, to push you away, to say, oh, that's not for me, or that's not what I'm into. And that obviously is their right, but is it right how, how, they, how they navigate that? Right. Is it right how they treat people with that, you know? So trans folks and femme folks coming to cis friends and saying, it's really multi-layered. It's deeper than just being like, I told him. Mm -hmm. Because that's in the assumption that telling them means they know what they're, what they're dealing with. Right. And who's giving them a class on that? <laughs> right. Well, Google is giving free lessons, but they're not Googling. Right. So, right. I mean, right. if I can be so candid to tell you this quick story where like I went on a date with someone and everything went well, the date went great. I was having a good time. I got vulnerable and I let my guard down a little bit. The date led to the guy wanting to maybe go back to his place. And I was just 
I was not in the place of wanting to really do that, if I'm being honest. Okay. But I was trusting the connection that I thought I had. And I was like, let me just go and, and just, we'll kick it, right? What does kick it usually lead to? And I'm in this guy's apartment. I don't feel unsafe. I felt safe. So let's start with that. But I felt like I was, I was doing a disservice to Mila because I put myself in a situation and it ended up being uncomfortable for me. And I, and I left his apartment feeling really defeated and feeling really used and feeling like, like I might've felt years ago when I was in my twenties. You know, the beauty of being in your thirties, for example, is like knowing when to hold him, when to fold him. So I didn't stand in that power. And I, I broke down when I got home. I was safe. I was okay. He did not harm me, but I got home and I was really sort of mentally and emotionally destroyed because I allowed myself to not protect myself the way that I needed to. And that was hard. I will just say just briefly, you know, there, I know that the anti-trans legislation stuff is really out here and that's really important to talk about. And we can go over all of the numbers and we can go over all of the semantics of what was really happening. It's awful, horrible, obviously. But the missing piece for me is the connection it has to actual real lives and to real people's experiences. And they're affecting people who don't deserve that right. at all. How do you not just get angry? I don't know. I think it's because I have an angry meter. I talk to my girlfriends. I talk to people like Laverne Cox and to like MJ Rodriguez and some of my other sisters who are in the spotlight. We sometimes are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Can you imagine when you know there are people in positions of power feeling like I don't know what to do? But we still have to try to like, I don't know if pretend is the word, but we still have to try to like keep our hope up some way. Cause like, you know, we don't want to fall apart. I don't want to fall apart. I can't, I just can't afford to fall apart right now. You know, and some therapist is going to hear this and be like, Mila, you really need to tap into <laughs> What is really ailing, right. you know, you know, what's really going on inside. I'm like, girl, I ain't got time to fall apart right now. I can't yeah. fall apart, but like we can talk about it, but I can't fall apart. What brings you joy? Sharing space with black women, sharing space with trans women, sharing space with people who are allowing me to be fully myself. And that doesn't have to be black people. And just having conversation, music brings me joy. Art, dance brings me joy. Seeing theater brings me joy. Traveling, I love to travel. I love seeing the world. Riding a city bike <laughs> brings me joy. That is I feel like I'm in a game. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm in like, what's that game I used to, we used to do with the arcade game? Frogger? Not Frogger, <laughs> but Cruisin' USA. Cruisin'. Oh no, no, Cruisin'. <laughs> I would just like to say that you can support me. I am an independent artist by listening to any of my music on Spotify or any of the streaming services and platforms and tell friends and fam. You know, there's tons of music, uh, Mila Jam, and you can follow me on Instagram and on, on the Twitter and all the different places and support black trans folks and support trans folks in general, you know? And you don't have to know everything about us. But just show us kindness and show us some love and and um, be someone that we can open up to.
say, like, is Mila not the most amazing? Just so put together. I feel like, to borrow a cliche from my dad, whereas I am very much always running around like a chicken without its head on, Mila is just joyful and organized and like the adult that you want to be. She's just, she's just absolutely amazing. I love it. Yeah, she was absolutely amazing. That conversation was fabulous. I love the part where she said that her empowerment was rooted in joy. I really right. felt that. I thought that that was so, so beautiful. Really great conversation. I loved it. I love that it's a standalone. Whereas my empowerment is rooted in anger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wherever we can get it, Femi, wherever we can get it. <laughs> I embrace the anger inside. Needless to say, everyone, you should definitely support Mila because she's amazing. You can find her music on all of the streaming platforms. She is an independent artist, so definitely stream her music. Support, support, support. She's got an ad in Times Square. And uh, you can find her on Instagram, Twitter, the Tickety Talks. You can find her everywhere. The Tickety Talks. I love that. The Tickety Talks. The Tickety Talks. <laughs> 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 Thanks so much for listening. It's Okay to Say Gay is a special production of 1010 Wins and WCBS News Radio 880. Special thanks to our producers, Dempsey Pillot and Jill Webb. And of course, Andy Egan Thorpe, who wears so many hats, including sound engineer, producer. He does it all. It's Okay to Say Gay is available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts from. Tim Schaud is the WCBS News Radio 880 brand manager. Ben Meverack is the 1010 Wins brand manager. And I'm Femi Redwood. Thanks for listening. Pretty one, I'll do what you wanna do. Pretty one, I'll, pretty one, I'll, pretty one, I'll let them walk all over you. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network. From big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.